I don't feel like David's very great. It's like he's a man after God's own heart is what it says in the Bible. And you're like, you read it and you're like, that this, how is that true? And I, I remember the circles that are done around that. It's like, well, it's because like he repented when he did things wrong and he really wanted to serve the Lord. He oh, just cool. uh, wasn't good at it sometimes. You know, sometimes we want to do the right thing and we don't, but like our you know, the Lord looks at the heart and you're just like, all of this sounds like horse shit, but I'm 11. So I'm going to go, oh, okay. And then I'm going to repeat it to my friends. And then I'm going to realize when I'm in my twenties that I was a moron. So. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Growing Up Christian. I'm Sam. And I'm Casey. And he is risen indeed, my friends. He is risen. This is a couple days after Easter. Casey and I just celebrated the death and resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ with our families this past weekend. I hope you all did too. Uh, Casey, how was your celebration of uh, Christ dying wonderful. for your sins? I had, uh, I had a brownie. and Like a... The kind that Christ would want you to have? I don't think there's anything that Christ would deny about this brownie. And, you know, like, the thing that he has to remember is that if he denies the brownie before his his peers, then the brownie shall deny him before its father. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's um, a little double denial action, really. It's if he denies... Oh, but, but, but and if he denies it before his father in heaven, it'll spend eternity burning in hell or something like that. Yeah. Okay. For our Lord and Savior, Mrs. Fields. <laughs> Mrs. Fields. Okay. So that kind of brownie. Not, not the uh, more exciting kind of brownie. The kind that you uh, accidentally give to a family member and then watch them trip balls or something like that later on. Yeah, no, I'm literally like just pretty excited to have had a regular old brownie. <laughs> Good for you, man. I, you know, I'm proud of you. You cheated. You got the cheat on the... Uh, have a cheat day and need some brownies. I uh, got drunk and bought a Land Before Time sweatshirt. So, you know. Oh, there all, you go. We all uh, have different ways of celebrating. Wait, who's on cheating. the front? Uh, it's just the, the, you know, the OG squad uh, with Chomper. Chomper's in on it, too. I wasn't sure how I felt about that. But, after I, you know, you know, you start drinking around noon and by 8 o'clock, it doesn't really matter which dinosaurs are on it. You just buy it. So that's what I did. I liked Petrie. Yeah, Petrie. He was silly. He was a silly guy, you know. Couldn't I hope fly, one day have the, the, the confidence to speak in the third person. Yeah, he people. certainly did. I mean, really, you know, we give people like The Rock credit for shit like that, but really, Petrie started it all, and I don't think he gets the credit that he deserves. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I do remember watching that movie though, and like the the beginning would start, and like I don't know if it was like a, the bubbles would kick around. It comes in. Through the like, it starts in the water, and it's like millions of years ago, and then uh, being told like, now remember, it's not really millions of years ago. And I remember watching it with friends and be like, Do you know, the Earth isn't actually millions of years old, guys. And they're just like, cool, <laughs> just let us watch this cartoon. You bring nine, ten, eleven, however the fuck old you are. I maybe not. A, I don't know how old are you when you watch Land Before. All the other Land Before times, because I've rewatched them more recently because of kids and shit, and um. They're all dorky as fuck, but the first one is a legitimately good movie that does hold up. Um, 
it's like a Lucas film, I guess, or st- directed by Steven Spielberg. I think Lucas might have had something to do with it too. Good names attached to it, quality film. And then I don't like literally starting with the second one, they just kind of Spielberg doesn't do sequels really, does he? Maybe not. I don't know. I would ha- I actually wouldn't know if he uh he he's like he kicks off every major franchise that's going to be like timeless <laughs> and, and wonderful and then like the horrible studio just like tries to wring every last dollar out of the the original work that he did. They just make turd after turd. Yeah, it's like making uh The Hobbit into three movies. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay, so my sister and my nephew were in town this weekend. And uh, we watched. That's the little boy you were holding in all those pictures. I wasn't sure if there was something we had to talk about, but I guess everything's fine. You didn't do some weird youth pastor shit over the weekend. It was just family stuff. Okay. Yeah, I just pick up a kid and sniff his hair like Biden style. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) They were in town, and so last night we were uh, hanging out, and it was getting to be like seven, seven thirty something. It's time for uh, for my nephew to, to to start winding down a little bit. Yeah. And so they took him downstairs and they're like, they apparently they had started Beethoven earlier. And so they're like, let's go downstairs and we'll watch some more of Beethoven. So I was kind of excited because I loved that movie when I was a kid. I watched yeah. it a bunch. And how long has it been since you've seen that? Uh, Yeah, never. I don't think I ever saw the entire movie Beethoven. I had friends that would watch it. Um, and I remember going over their house and seeing like the beginning of it maybe, but we didn't finish it and I've never seen the entire movie. Okay. Well, what do you think? So just taking like a shot in the dark, it's a, it's a movie about a big dog that, you just know, jizz is on everything. Is that, he oh, drools that's drool. everything. That's drool. Sorry. I got confused. Same diff. Uh, but he rejoins a family. The dad's reluctant about it. Like kids movies always kind of like struggle to find a bad guy in their simple plots. Like, what do you think an appropriate bad guy would be in a Beethoven movie? Um, animal control. Okay. All right. Like You're on the right track. Animal control is always, feels like it in animal movies is, is the bad guy. So I'm on the right track. What would you uh, guess was the re the reason that they were like trying to kidnap dogs and cats or whatever? So the premise is someone kidnaps Beethoven or is trying to, well, I don't actually yeah, know. like it's along the lines of 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 animal control, like just wild guess. Why? What would be an, a, a sensible reason for for, you know, someone to kidnap dogs? Uh, I want to say money, but now I'm drifting into conspiracy theories. <laughs> well, so I had totally forgotten about this and it caught me like completely by surprise. So the bad guy in in Beethoven is. They're veterinarian. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't, I only got to see a piece of it last night. So I didn't get to like piece together the whole plot, but the veterinarian's like this creepy guy with, you know, big thick glasses. And uh, he's got this crew of dudes that are just rounding up dogs left and right. And they're kind of like typical henchmen type. They've got like a big truck full of like caged dogs and they take them back to a warehouse and stuff. And I was trying to think like is one guy short and fat and the other guy tall and skinny. I think so. It was something <laughs> along those lines. But, you know, you're like, oh, I wonder why they're rounding up dogs. Are they going to sell them? Are they, you know, what are they going to do? So it turns out 
that this guy is like in league with this dude that is manufacturing some sort of like special kind of bullet that like explodes on impact. And he's rounding up dogs, particularly big dogs, to test out exploding ammunition on their <laughs> on their heads. That's the plot of Beethoven. Oh my god. <laughs> That's unbelievable. <laughs> I was like, we're just kind of like sitting there casually watching it and stuff, you know, and it's like corny, but kind of fun and everything. And then he's like holding up this bullet and he's like, you want to know how much damage it does? He's like, let's see if we can find some large skulled specimens to test it on. And I'm like, what is going on? <laughs> <laughs> That's wild, dude. I, troll. I bet there's plenty of movies where the... Uh the plot like the children's movies where the plots revisited just don't age quite well yeah probably so well like even like 101 dalmatians like she's gonna skin a bunch of puppies and make yeah. them into a coat that is horrific yeah it's pretty it's pretty gnarly and it, it is also funny because it is like that's when you realize uh, re-watching movies with with my kids is when you realize like it, Cause it's that feeling of you want to be like, well, we watched this and turned out fine. And of course we did. And I don't think 101 Dalmatians is exactly what would have like ruined me. But uh, then you're just, but you do rewatch a lot of them and you're like, yeah, I mean, to some degree, everyone's a little bit softer in the sense that they're like, maybe just like more cognizant or empathetic humans. Uh, maybe we're evolving as a species. Uh, at least I would think so. And then I go to work. And uh, 85% of my kindergartners watched Wednesday and think the part where she puts piranhas in the pool to fuck with some kid is hilarious. So I, maybe, <laughs> maybe just some of us are, are, are taking in, take, learning some lessons or have evolved in some way. I don't uh, know. But we're, we're not evolving. We yeah. just live in a cushy, uh, nerfy sort of world for yeah, now. Maybe. I, it is funny because also like uh, I was at my, um, at my wife's grandparents tonight. And they have the news on while we're eating. First of all, fuck. I don't watch the news on, ever. I don't watch regular, like, you know, your primetime channel five, seven, whatever it is, news. And it's like the five o'clock news is on. And then the six o'clock news starts. And you're literally, it's the exact same headlines sold to you like it hadn't just been said 35 minutes ago. And my, we're eating dinner and the news is on. And it's just like, I forget how much of it is just like, just, repetitive so-and-so got shot so and -so, someone got hit by a car it's all just like gross shit that's like you know that's not happening constantly in the world and i like i remember the news being on when i was a kid and never paying attention so i know my kids weren't paying attention but then they're talking about a boy who caught a stray bullet in a drive-by shooting and it's like in the it shows the kid in the hospital and the, the bullet wound on his leg and my daughter like points to the TV. She's like, look, mom, this is crazy. And you're just like, yeah, this is what the fuck are we? Why are we just sitting here watching this? And I, it made me really you have just the same reaction as your grandpa. Yeah. But it made me just be like, who are, what, what people just sit down and turn this on every, every night. And just, it's just shitty story after shitty one-off anecdotal story where you just like, what do you, what it, it's not it's not do it's not informing you of anything it's not helping you in any way to to learn the information that's on that that's given to you on the news it's like i i forgot how bad it was it's um 
it's like and they they build up one story for 45 minutes and then get to it at the end and you're like you could have just googled it and it's just it's it's really yeah i hear about the the you know the ratings are dropping that it's just not it's not doing well uh as a network thing anymore so um and i hear it and then i'm like re-watching it tonight for the first time in really a while and just actually paying attention to it. I'm like, it makes sense that this, that no one's or less and less people are tuning into this. This is like exhausting. I'm tired after listening to it the second time in a row within an hour time span. Like it was really wild. It's hilarious how on the news, like, or even cable news, like they continually like play trailers for the upcoming horrific story. It's like, yeah. and coming up in the hour, uh, you know, mysterious bones found under local playground yeah yeah it's like all that and more in 15 minutes and then like they have to tell you a story about uh some lady who won the lottery and she's putting a new roof on her single wide like you have to go (laughs) over that first before you get to the bones yeah and the stuff that you go over like one of it was like a church caught fire and they're like we might have to remove the steeple and then it's like people they just like catch you know, they grab the little snippets of people like this has been a staple of our community for a hundred years. And then one person's like, during COVID, I thought we were never coming back. And then Easter Sunday was the first time in a long time that it looked full again. And I, I knew we were back. And then like Easter Sunday night is when it caught on fire. And it's like, look, uh, what, however excited you were and whatever great story that makes for the news with all these people showing up uh, on Sunday at a Catholic church or whatever for Easter, it's like, no one was going to be there next week. And I just, I, I highly doubt that, um, that this building and that steeple that they have to remove before, while they repair the roof is really going to ruin people's days that they just can't see that beacon of light shining in their community anymore. It's not, a, not how anyone's going to look at it. It's not how anyone looked at it before. It's like they just goofy stories. It. They drove past it every day for like 30 years and never looked up at it. And now yeah. they're like, I can't believe that they're going to take the staple down. Dude, there's a, uh, like, downtown Wichita since we moved here. We moved here at the end of 2014, and it's just, like, been completely redone, cleaned up, all sorts of new stuff down there. It looks way better than it did when I moved here. Um, But they're, like, right in the center of town, like, downtown on the river, there's this convention center that's been there for, I don't know. I bet you like looking at it, I bet it was built in like the seventies or the eighties or something like that. But it's century two is what it's called. And it's just a big, ugly concrete, you know, box dome thing. It's, it's really ugly. It doesn't really mesh with the surrounding buildings and stuff. And it's right on the river. So it's like prime real estate and you know, like a nice convention center would probably be a really good thing to have. Sure. In Wichita. Um, so like they've kicked around the idea of tearing it down or re, you know, completely remodeling it or basically just taking it down to the studs and, you know, making it look completely different and stuff. And it's like, it's amazing to me, the weird things that people get all nostalgic and protective of, because there was like signs that were like save century two that were like around town and stuff for a little while. It's like, this is a hideous building. It is a hideous building in disrepair, and it should go away. It's probably full of asbestos. And like- corpses. <laughs> its only purpose is for, like, mob members. Well, you don't really have the mob out there. But for anyone to just, you know, 
But maybe uh, after a husband murders their wife for the third time, they just hide yeah, him in Century like Two. Mennonite Mafia or something yeah. like that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think it can get pretty rowdy. I think um, it's like it's like you ever drive down a road and you drive down it frequently, and then maybe you don't for a little while, but then one day you go down it and you just you're like something's different, and you realize they cleared a bunch of trees around the power lines that go along the road, and you. And you can't help but notice it, even though you never noticed the trees before. It's like inconsequential and it doesn't matter. But it's like, wow, it's really widened the road. It's like that's what removing that steeple is. It's just like people don't give a shit. But it's just as soon as you remove it, they're just like, oh, wow, it looks weird coming down this hill without seeing that steeple there. And they turned it into a fucking news story. (laughs) Yeah. It's like you could literally like there could be like an electronic hum outside of somebody's work that they've never noticed before, but it's slowly been like giving them cancer. Yeah. And like, if there was a news story that said like, Hey, we found the source of that annoying hum and we're going to turn it off on Wednesday. There would be people that would be like, save the hum. Yeah. Don't touch the hum. It's part of what makes our community special. It sets us apart from all the other quiet towns. It's like, it's, it's terrible. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Save the cow crap smell. Yeah. <laughs> Why not? I mean, Some, that, somewhere. Is, that is a smell. I feel like that in uh, cigarettes, the smell of cigarettes in a grandparent's home are smells that uh, are objectively bad, but some people go, it reminds me of home. And I look back on it fondly. Like if you grew up on a farm or grew up with the a- smell of like antique cigarettes, like cigarettes that were smoked in the seventies and you can still smell them because they've like, leached their fumes into that like burlap couch that your grandma has with the uh you know the one with the wooden arms oh yeah (laughs) that you can't sleep on no matter what (laughs) if you manage to like fold up small enough to sleep on it like your face against that burlap fabric all night you you wake up with like a grid on your head you look like pinhead yeah. And the arms are always really high up. So your neck is just f- completely torqued for like the next 48 hours. Yeah. Especially built with like three springs that stick out further than the rest just to make sure that you can't have house guests over. Yeah. Like no one can sleep on it. <laughs> okay. So the other day we were texting back and forth. I think we were like exchanging horrific news stories. Speaking yeah. of uh, news stories. Yeah, as and I asked you a question that you didn't answer, and <laughs> I wanted to know if you had time to think about it and answer. And the question was, we were like sending each other articles about uh, China preparing for war or something like that, which there's been like 40 since like Wednesday saying that they're like stockpiling weapons and training, you know, for invading Taiwan and whatnot. And the question I asked you was, if we were to go to war with a major power, like a, an actual war, like we haven't yeah, yeah. done in, you know, a century, like who would you want to be president if we were to do that? Oh, God. Yeah, I remember you making this point. Uh, literally nobody who is an elected official right now. Uh, that's unsettling. To say the least, I don't even know if Biden would Biden even know if we entered into a war at this point. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like they would just turn down his sleep apnea machine and keep him in a coma for yeah. like 
like six years. So Kamala can make all the choices. Yeah. That'd be Oh uh, yeah, she's our she's our best and brightest, so that that'd be great. <laughs> Dude, I love I love all the the murmurs around whether or not like he should or shouldn't or will or will not keep her on as as VP. And uh boy, when when people aren't uh aren't emphatic that she's the best person for the job and he should keep the status quo, she gets very upset with those people. Even when they are a little dodgy about the question, it's not a great look. Um but who would I want to be president? I uh, dude, I, nobody. We just honestly, we should just resign and all become Chinese. I think that's the best <laughs> course of action. We're Chinese now, bitch. I don't know. I, I mean, who's going to lead us into a battle and and really give me the feeling that that things could go well for us? I think I'd just rather just call it a day and be Chinese. <laughs> Do you think okay? Because I feel like convert you know, my U.S. currency. What are they? What's the Chinese uh, currency? Yen? yen is it yen? Yeah, you whatever. Want Fuck it. Why not? Just use that now. I always heard it said yen. I think, but it's spelled yuan. Is it? I don't. I don't know. I don't know. It's spelled. That's another word I've only ever heard. What? Because we had like the war on terror and we've had a bunch of little conflicts and stuff right. like that. Since and we can't we've get been alive. Bush back. So, I mean, if, if Bush was an option, maybe I'd say Bush again, because, you know, at least he he knows how to like stay in it. You know, he doesn't give up when he he's should. really do- he's really dove into his artwork, though. I don't think he's coming back out, even if we need him. No, he he's an artist now. Yeah, he's a painter. He draws a paint. accomplished painter. He just just various forms of taints is all he draws. <laughs> He just does a million self portraits of like twenty year old mugshot him. <laughs> he got a DUI. Hunter Biden's a, t- a painter now too. He was like uh, displaying his artwork at some New York gallery within like the past week or two. Here, I heard that story. He sounds. Is his art? He's the kind of guy that just like drops down like a canvas on the ground snorts a bunch of lines and then just pokes holes in paint cans and swings them over it right <laughs> yeah. and now he's an artist <laughs> uh, yeah he's like a Callan schwab sort of sort of a guy he no, just uh, does so- a bunch of shrooms covers himself in body paint and splat jumps on one what are those you know those walls where you would put a vel- big velcro suit on and then you would like hit the trampoline and stick to the wall he just covers himself in paint and does that for hours on end while just absolutely tripping out of his mind. Yeah, Bobo in blue. There it is. From cop and a half. <laughs> so one one day uh, on Breaking Points, Crystal and Sagar were talking about like how every politician has to write a book and no one cares about them, reads them, hate. You know, it's just like worthless. But Crystal yeah, but they always the make the New York Times bestsellers list, I think. Yeah. Well, Crystal made the point that like that's an easy way for them to like get around campaign finance law and stuff like that because that way you can pay for them to come make appearances and speak and like it, it opens up like a whole bunch of ways for companies and organizations to to uh, funnel money to them. And they okay. all do it. Like they all write a book, and it's and literally no one cares what Mitch McConnell has to say about his life. Right, and it's all ghost written and shit. Like he, he's not Mitch McConnell is not writing his own book. 
<laughs> Mitch McConnell spends looks like he spends a lot of time like pecking at a head of lettuce every from, time <laughs> from the edge of a pond. <laughs> every time he tries to write a book, the little uh, his his little chicken neck thing just like gets in the way, and he's can't type. It's just like <laughs> getting stuck under like his fingers and. Is it like he's look? He can't see the typewriter because like he bends down and it's hanging in the it's way, or is it yeah. like gumming up the works? Like it's underneath his fingers. No, when he's it's like to type. it's like he's trying to type with a bunch of like gum on his keyboard. It just keeps like <laughs> <laughs> he's just got like like a big fleshy sleeping bag hanging from his like chest, and <laughs> it's like if you like dropped a bunch of scrotums on a keyboard and tried to type over it. It just doesn't work. <laughs> yeah that would be challenging so that's why someone else had to think, write his book for him do you think that like the criteria changes though like the way that we look at who needs because nobody gets their way when it comes to like who's the president like no one's happy most no of, mm, most of the time um does that change though like if we thought war was like an actual reality that we would have to face because i mean you just could not I mean, how could you put somebody that seemed like incompetent or as just like a placeholder or the lesser of two evils or something like that? How could you put them in that spot if we were literally like going into a life or death conflict? Yeah, I don't know. I don't I can't. I I mean, do you have someone in mind that you think would legitimately like be passable? I feel like for such a Nobody. high, like high stakes problem, like there's just. Someone could be like uh, some general or some shit, but generals are always, every time you hear generals talk, you're like, how'd you get that job? You sound like a unhinged lunatic that just has no care for anyone in the entire world anymore. They're just like lost all empathy. They're just not. I, I feel like generals today are just like politicians of a different variety. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Like they've schmoozed and, and gerrymandered their way to the top of the organization. It's not like they yeah, were yeah. like, well, you're the best at leading troops, so you're a general now. Right, and who's leading, who's really leading troops? Here? It's like, that's it, crazy, man. Just to think about the way that that's done, we're like, well, let's just, you just look at numbers, and you're like, well, let's send about 100,000 over here, and, you know, 50,000 over here. Like, you're just, like, playing Risk or some shit, and then you're like, you push a few buttons and some bombs drop. It's like, it's crazy. I mean, to be a general, what does it even, what's it? you're a good strategist maybe it's funny to even decide how you're a good strategist because it's not like i mean i know we're interfering and meddling in world affairs constantly but not on a large enough scale where someone's proven their ability to strategize in that way right it's all theory, well, yeah it right? doesn't seem like we're very successful at <laughs> no. the meddling these days not successful with the meddling not successful at 20 all the past 20 years of war and somehow we just call these generals good at their job and it's like there's it's all just theory on what you would do if something happened uh and uh, all that to say there isn't probably one good person to lead this country into an actual war yeah i feel like Other everybody than that comes along that you think, well, this person's actually been in the military and they seem like somewhat reasonable. Buttigieg. Like maybe... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> General Buttigieg. <laughs> like, uh, they always, there's there's always something that happens that makes you go, oh, you just, you're just another one of those, but you have an eye patch. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Not 
not to point out anybody in particular. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's an interesting question. If you have thoughts on that, uh, I would love to hear them. Send them to us uh, either on Instagram or jump in the Discord and and share your ideas about that. Because I'm I'm literally like, I was really trying to put my finger on that one. And I just, I don't know. I, I just mean, don't know. I, I think if, you know, America turns back to God, then it doesn't matter who's leading this country because God the, the Lord is really leading it. Um, so <laughs> I'm not too worried as long as we can outlaw abortion before the war breaks out and then we'll know that we're on the right track. So it's Jesus's finger on the trigger. Yeah. <laughs> That's all I need. Hmm. So uh, I have a story that I was thinking we would go through here. Beautiful. Um, it's one that like has lived in my memory ever since, you know, hearing it basically, but not one that I had read in a long time. And I think it's pretty interesting. Uh, so we're going old Testament again. Give me one second. I got to yeah. pull up. Go old Testament. We got to find our way into the, into the new Testament soon. Cause that is, after all, the Christian book. Maybe we just like, we just start cruising through it together. The New Testament is just so boring. It's a lot less interesting. It's more like telling you how to live your life and shit, which is like just not as fun. Um, there are some good stories uh, that don't feel like they make a lot of sense. And like um, in Acts, right? Oh, the book, I mean, Acts starts out with, people speaking in tongues and people getting killed for not tithing right and hiding their money. And I don't know, there's some good, good murdery, murdery shit in the, in the early pages of Acts. So probably, like, and I'm like very out of, uh, out of touch with that stuff. I feel yeah. like the, the old Testament's just so much more interesting that like, that's the stuff that you remember. You yeah, remember yeah. all the stories and not like Paul droning on forever. Yeah, from prison. We got it, dude. You were arrested. Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh, so before we get into this, so I've got this old Bible that I had in like high school and college, the Living Bible. I think I actually like took this out of the basement of my church. The but, Living uh, Bible. What's uh? It say underneath it. What did it say underneath the Living Bible? Paraphrased. Paraphrased. So is this like a message? I don't know. I think the, the Living Bible, I think, is what it's actually like. That's the translation. I just Why does it say paraphrased? Well, it's definitely been put into like more modern language, which, you know, red flag warning. Oh, but. yeah. It's like the Lord Jesus Christ died for your sins for real, for real. No cap. Jesus Christ is bussing. That kind of stuff. Yeah, (laughs) it dates back a little further than that but yes okay similar idea i think we should we probably should rewrite some of the bible with like oh chat gpt could probably just pull that off for us actually just rewrite portions of the bible in gen was it gen x is that who would be using that kind of language yeah i think so well no gen x is above us i mean gen z gen z gen z I would imagine who's below Gen Z. Is there a name for that yet? I don't know. I'm Googling right now. Nobody's having kids anymore. So maybe there isn't one below that. (laughs) Yeah. Generation alpha back to the beginning is the demographic (laughs) cohort succeeding generation Z. 
Research is a popular media. Use the early 2010s as a starting birth year. God, that's so little. That's so weird. Uh, birth years in the mid 2020s as the ending birth years. So, so it's Generation A, Generation Alpha. Yeah, Alpha. They'll, they'll probably just say Gen Z, Generation Z. Amazing, amazing. Is uh, <laughs> we're not too. Oh no, we are too far off from the. Gen Z. Gen Z is like mid to the nineties as a starting birth year and early two thousand tens as the ending. Yeah, I was born in eighty seven. Eighty eight, baby. So I opened this old Bible. Yeah. And there was like some love notes from April, which was kind of nice. And then there was also a show flyer for something called Revelation Festival Revelation? in Fredericksburg. Oh, Do you remember that? Uh, no, I don't remember Revelation Fest in, I mean, I know, I remember Fredericksburg. January 1st, 2008, and it's got Jesus, it's got old G-Wiz right on the front. And, okay, listen to this lineup. This is like, uh, you know, local band Holy Grail to get on. So it's Becoming the Archetype with Blood Clums Cleansing, which, there's the font. And they have to put in parentheses below it in normal font with blood clumps cleansing because it's just squiggles and with blood, blood clumps with blood clumps cleansing. <laughs> yeah, I'm having a real hard time with that one. Why is it so funny? Like no matter what, it's always funny. It happens all the time, and it shouldn't matter, and it obviously doesn't. But if anybody messes up a word at all, everyone around them will just shit on them for about 15 minutes endlessly. And it's always funny when people just trip up on a word. Yeah, it's universal humor. It's like crap in your pants. <laughs> All right, so with blood comes cleansing. Life in your way. Remove the veil, which I don't remember them. Uh, a plea for purging. Oh, that I remember them. They're cool. Big pudgy baby man. Yeah. Uh, once nothing. And then there's like a whole bunch of uh, local bands on here. Wrench in the works. Ready the way. Uh, let's see if there's any. The Poison Written. Shout out to me. Hey, The Poison Written. That was such a great choice for a band name. Anarin. Uh, oh, Anarin. Those guys were really fucking good. Do you remember that? Mercy Screams. I remember. Yeah, I remember them. I don't really remember their music very much. They were amazing. They had such a opportunity to like do something dope. And then they just kind of like killed their band. It was a big bummer. They were incredibly talented, but for whatever reason, it wasn't really working. The, uh, as, as the kingdom falls, that's pretty good. Metalcore name, uh, a cure for useless eyes. How about that one? Oh, how about this though? All right. This is probably a bad idea, but, um, I did find the poison written's Facebook page. Um, oh my god and yeah 2008 is when you guys put out a video for your five minute song <laughs> <laughs> so needlessly long This Dude, is when Virgin, you guys... and Virgin Records didn't sign us. It's ridiculous. Fuck them. <laughs> Fuck you, Virgin Records. Uh, that's you guys filmed that video in what was that dope ass church uh, that ever that we lived in? Uh, it was uh, 
Room, room, 180. room 180 was that like was a center. Yeah, that place was fucking sick, dude. It was cool. <laughs> Good times. So everyone, if you want to check out Case's band, just look for The Poison Written on Facebook and uh, you'll find uh, this has has seven comments. I think it only had one view when I looked at it. So that was fun. Um, yeah, it's definitely not true. He's know, definitely under the thing. <laughs> it, oh, you're getting shadow banned now, man. I don't know what the fuck's wrong. <laughs> they don't want people to hear. <laughs> oh my God. All right. So you ready to get biblical here? Um, yeah. Ready to get biblical. So we are going to, uh, uh, open up your Bibles to second Samuel chapter 13. Uh, we're going to be talking about the house of David today, King David. And this is um, David after he breaks bad and yeah. bangs Bathsheba and then kills her husband. And pretty much everything goes awry for David at that point, right? I mean, shocking that that's a downturn. I, uh, <laughs> right. You start doing shit like that, you're clearly on a downward spiral. But what's really cool is if. Uh, you hang out in the worst spheres of Twitter like I do, you'll find some like Theobrogens just trying to like f- figure out why that wasn't as bad as it seems. And it's not exactly rape. And it gets, it gets Bathsheba? pretty, yeah, it gets pretty good on, uh, on Theobrogen Twitter. Oh my God. Yeah. It, it's, well, I feel like it was always taught to us that like, David was a mighty servant of God and a righteous man and stuff like that. And then one day he was on a roof and he accidentally saw Bathsheba. And then that ruined his entire life, basically. Yeah. Like (laughs) the first time he ever sinned, the only time he ever did anything wrong. And like the whole rest of his life was cursed, basically. Yeah. There definitely wasn't a progression there from for him to go from like uh, a noble man of God to a guy who you know sexually assaults someone and then uh, murders their significant other. Yeah, usually we don't get that nice, clean progression. But it's funny because uh, I think we do have enough stories of David where you're like, you know, I think it's pretty clear that he's uh, had a lot of, as we might say in the church, moral failures. Hmm. Well, we're going to learn about a moral failure today, uh, partly David's, but... Uh, this story centers around a young lady named Tamar. We and have her name, a, so that's nice. I love that. I love yeah, that. That's a good her. starting point. It probably I'm sure means something, something terrible is going to happen to her. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, this is all. This is a story about David's kids and how messy his house got after a while. So he had like a bunch of different wives and concubines and stuff like that, and. Uh, my understanding of this, and I look, I don't know this for certain, but this is how I was always taught, was that they all kind of lived together in the same like compound or something, and the boys and the girls were kept like separate from each other. Does that sound right to you? I have never heard anyone try to explain the functional living quarters of David's <laughs> children, <laughs> wives, concubines, and they did that. Wait. Who was kept on one, like boys, all boys, all like men and women had different places to reside. I feel that maybe, yes, my uh, spiritual leaders teased that out of scripture. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm sure they were like trying to tie that back to some cultural norms of the time. 
because, of course, historically, it's always been inappropriate for men and women to intermingle like that. Um, but if they did do that, David was probably just afraid that his sons would try to fuck his concubines. <laughs> well, that is a fear that t- ended up being founded. There you go. <laughs> I should write my own. Bible. It was very realistic. Maybe I heard this story from like the Pensacola Christian College rep when he was in town to recruit us. Yeah, he's like, like you could be on the right track and headed in the right direction. And then you pick a liberal school like Liberty and then the rest of your life is cursed, just like David. I love how they like how people try to tease this shit out where they set these stages. They're like, well, actually, the men slept on this side and the boys slept on that side. And like they're trying to like paint these pictures as though there's like a one for one, like uh unwavering moral standard that is constant throughout all of human history. And then despite their best efforts, all of these stories end with somebody sexually assaulting or raping somebody else. And you're like, yeah. So the real moral of the story should be whatever you think they're trying to do is clearly never, it just never works. And we should probably rethink the way we do things, but that's not the direction you're going to take this. Is it (laughs) Mr. Just graduated from Liberty university youth pastor. You're just going to make us eat corn chips from between each other's toes and lick each other's armpits or something weird. Yeah. Fun youth group games. Yeah, just the classics. So this story, upon reading it, I was thinking about how, you know, what I remember taking away from this story as a young guy. Just how easy uh, it would be to just see a woman naked and kill her husband and take her as your wife. I get it. Right. That was my fantasy. That's like every 13-year-old boy's first sexual fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> if you grew up in the church. <laughs> well, like, it's interesting to now be able to go on YouTube and look at... I, I mean, I think I've said this before on these Bible story episodes, but, like, you go on YouTube and you start watching pastors and youth pastors and Bible YouTubers, you know, theologian bro... Theobrogen, that's what you said, right? Yeah. Theobrogen YouTubers go through these stories. And it's like, you know, it's one thing to like inherit a story, you know, that kind of gets passed down through time and stuff like all stories do. It's it's interesting how like an interpretation is handed down the same way. Yeah. Like you don't just learn the story. You learn the lines that you repeat when you're talking about what this story means and how to understand it and stuff like that. And it's fascinating how that is like a through line in every one of these videos that you look at, like they highlight the same things. One of the things that they highlight in every explanation of the story of uh, Tamar and Amnon is lust. And it's always at the center of their explanation of what goes on. And I think it's an interesting it's interesting that that's the case. Let me let me kind of like set the stage here. So this is post David and Bathsheba. And, okay. uh, you know, so he's got a lot of different wives and all these kids. And it really kind of sounds like reading this story, you can't help but think that like, wow, David's house is an absolute mess. And he has raised a bunch of awful kids. How many kids does he have? Is it even possible to raise kids he's probably barely involved yeah yeah he's probably like barely involved with any of them then there's there's parts of these stories that you read and you're like where was he 
when all this was going on, you know? And, uh, but in this one, it says, uh, and I'm reading from the NIV version here, but it says, in the course of time, Amnon, son of David, fell in love with Tamar, the beautiful sister of Absalom, son of David. So these are half siblings. Yeah, two sons of David, different moms. Gotcha. Absalom's full sister, Amnon's half sister. And they're like every explanation of this story starts with like this, you know, like, you know, we got to talk about love and love's a choice. And, you know, the in the movies and TV, they want to tell us that love is a it's a, a, you know, a feeling that you get like you fall in love with somebody. You see somebody from across the room and you just fall in love with them. And that's not what the Bible teaches and stuff. But like the verbiage yeah, yeah. that's used here you and i would be interested to hear what your hebrew bible like your uh you know the jewish uh interpretation says about this wording but love is used multiple times in the course of this story to describe how amnon felt about tamar and it's clearly not what was going on yeah 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 i i don't have my uh i do not have my Jewish Bible around me right now. So uh, my Jewish study Bible, I should say, uh, around me right now. So I cannot help you here. That's all right. So it says that Amnon became so obsessed with his sister Tamar that he made himself ill. She was a virgin and it seemed impossible for him to do anything to her. Oh, God. Another weird way of phrasing things. But I feel like I don't remember reading these like I we like I've said before, I mean, we read the Bible as a family and we went through the Bible, the whole Bible. And I know we got to this part, like to first and second Samuel, first and second Kings. And I'm like, I don't remember these stories. They must have been like reworded in a way like to read with your family or something. I, I feel like I would have got a little stuck on this idea of like, wait a second. He wants to fuck his sister. Why don't we talk about this a little bit more? Yeah, I I would love to hear how children's lessons explain this. They probably just avoid it, honestly. I mean, that's sure. That's probably a lot of what goes on with it. But I mean, it it doesn't make for great flannel graph material, <laughs> right? So <laughs> we should Amnon, make to me has like flannel graph for these stories where it's like, oh, dude, that would be great. Actual like this like actual nudity uh flannel graphs that shit would be fucking hilarious it <laughs> that would, would be incredible okay so amnon i feel like has he's got like incel amnon's like elliot rogers sort of guy it seems like <laughs> like he's obsessing over this woman that you know he's thinking of it in terms of like well she's a virgin how am i gonna get away with like assaulting her since she's a virgin and like eventually he just finds a way to do what he's gonna do right oh shocking that seems to just be the general path people take yeah pretty much they know what they decide what they want to do and they find a way to to get it done it's like that you hand someone the back of your shirt and you go hold me back hold me back mentality (laughs) well he hands the back of his shirt to a guy named jonadab the son of Shimea, who's David's brother. So this is his cousin. Um, it was an advisor of his, it says. And uh, it says that Jonadab was a very shrewd man. 
He asked Amnon, Why do you, the king's son, look so haggard morning after morning? Won't you tell me? And Amnon said to him, I'm in love with Tamar, my brother Absalom's sister. So his half-sister. Right. Right. The origins of stepsister, stepsibling porn, apparently. Apparently it dates all the way back to the Hebrew Bible. Pretty much, yeah. It's like original Game of Thrones. Yeah. Game of Thrones. Game of wicker chairs. Always. Apparently that's a lane for people. (laughs) (laughs) So this Jonadab guy, I mean, he seems like a skeevy, you know, like like a Let me watch kind of guy. Oh, no, a scheme. Okay. Kind of like this guy. So another thing that I found out in watching some of these videos is that Amnon was like first in line to the throne. So he's kind of the heir apparent to David's throne. And of course, this guy, you know, being shrewd, I would imagine that like he's trying to find a way to like wreck, like endear himself to Amnon. So he clearly sees what Amnon wants and decides to make make those justifications for him and help him get it. You know, Um, he says, go to bed and pretend to be ill. Uh, When your father comes to see you, say to him, I would like my sister Tamar to come and give me something to eat. Let her prepare the food in my sight so I may watch her and then eat it from her hand. Oh, God. Yeah, it sounds like a horrible story. It sounds like a FetLife, like, made fetish post or something like that. <laughs> it does. It's Looking so for someone to, to clean house nude will pay $200 an hour or something like that. It sounds like a message that April would get from... <laughs> <laughs> Did you see that thing that she got the other day? She's Somebody messaged her and said she looked like a sexy Easter egg. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, so what? weird. Yeah, yeah. You posted that in the Discord. It's like I look, I just I will pay you three hundred dollars. I just I I literally just want to eat a couple of grapes out of the palm of your hand. Uh but I want you to clench your fists for like thirty minutes before so that way your hands are a little bit sweaty. Is that I'll pay an extra fifty bucks for sweaty palms. It's like <laughs> these people, man. How do they arrive at these fetishes? I don't I don't get it. Like what has to happen to you as a young kid? For you to like what what imprinted on you that you like, I yeah. don't know, you want somebody to step on your balls like <laughs> I don't know what it is. I know, that's the big one that I I don't know how I feel like you could think you could think of how like certain little things could like imprint in a way as a kid that follow you into adulthood uh, subconsciously. But wanting to be physically harmed screams of like that there is some real abuse and trauma in your life and you are just reliving that intentionally in a sexual fantasy way it's shit gets dark when people want their when they want someone to put on like some 12 inch heels and just stomp on their balls you're like the what the fuck happened what the fuck happened yeah it's like not sure that this is the way to deal with these look, impulses i don't believe uh, look i think we have a fine flawed of course but the concept of innocent until proven guilty is solid. I'm here for that. Uh, but I think when you get to a point where you're asking people to do certain things to you, you can just assume that they've broken a lot of laws and we should just separate them from society. That's 
Is there, you think this is a reasonable approach? Yeah. I mean, it's not quite jail, like take care of them, but just like put them somewhere else. That's all. It's no kind of jail, but like French jail. <laughs> Norwegian jail yeah, where you Norwegian. get like a, like it's not great, but you get a PS2 and. And <laughs> uh, an old N64, but you still have to blow in the game cartridges a few times. so uh amnon laid down and pretended to be ill when the kings came to see him amnon said i would like my sister tamar to come and make some special bread in my sight so i may eat from her hand um (laughs) what is it about like what did david hear there that made him think like sure yeah, special bread. Eat out of your hand. Like, absolutely. Call for Tamar. Uh, is there any part where it's like, and David thought this wasn't weird at all. David thought nothing of this request. It's he just... asks one question later on in the story that makes you think like, oh, he had some in, he had like some idea that there was something going on here, but he didn't listen to his better judgment. It's like the parent of a, of a, of a, their son who's just like eating people in their basement and they're like i mean there were some like weird things but i didn't know that you're like okay we see how you partitioned that out in your brain so that way you didn't have to grapple with the fact that you had a cannibal for a child it (laughs) it feels like it's similar here where it's like well it's like well did you it's like you didn't know but did you ask any reasonable follow-up questions (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's like Dennis Rader's wife being like, oh, I had no idea. It's like, you had no idea? <laughs> no idea? <laughs> like, what about when he suddenly stopped asking you to tie him up? <laughs> I don't know. What, did you think he maybe got serious about Christ or something like that? You know, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I have to. I don't know who Dennis Rader is. He's the BTK killer. Oh, 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 oh BTK. Okay. Uh, hometown hero for Wichita. Oh, that's right. Did we drove by his house, right? Is that or drove near it? We drove by the prison that's his house now. Uh, <laughs> maybe you just told me about the house that it's still, you know, available. Yeah. Uh, well, his house is bulldozed. The first, the family that he murdered first, their house is still around. And oh, it's, that's who it was. That's what we talked about. I'm not buying it. It no, I mean, very unsettling from the outside. Is it for sale? It has been. Uh, the last time I drove by it, it had like a tarp over one section of the roof. And it just looks like, you know, full of ancient nightmares. I, hmm. I feel like, like I don't think idea. I believe in ghosts, but I'm not testing the theory there. Yeah, I wouldn't be the, I don't know. I think I'm confident enough. That I don't, I don't know. I, I maybe I'd have to sit through that situation, but I feel like the idea is like, I'm surprised no one bought the house or has offered a lot of money and turned it into like some weird like horror museum where they just kind of enshrine that kind of shit. You know, like there's always that lane of people who are like, hey, let's go to like there's like let's go see uh, the serial killer exhibit or whatever. There's always people interested yeah. in that. Well, people definitely own it. Like it's changed hands at least a couple of times, I think. But yeah, uh, nobody's turned it into a a horror museum. Thank God. 
Well. So uh, David sent word to Tamar at the palace, go to the house of your brother Amnon and prepare some food for him. So Tamar went to the house of her brother Amnon, who was lying down. She took some dough, kneaded it, made the bread in his sight, and baked it. Do you think he made a... Uh, do you think he made like conversation while this was happening or was he like nervous, like sitting around plotting and scheming? Did he just like, did he just like lay there with his covers, like pulled up to the bottom of his <laughs> iris and just, just like breathing heavily with a clear boner? Like, <laughs> I mean, were they in a kitchen? Like, where was this happening? I don't know what I mean, houses were laid I out. I can't like. imagine his bedroom has like a fucking you call it a like a bread oven of some sort <laughs> she she came over and just like popped one of those uh, Pillsbury cans <laughs> and made some of those weird orange cinnamon rolls <laughs> <laughs> i can't imagine he was um making a lot of conversation but i don't i don't probably just like shitty conversation he probably talked about himself the whole time is what I would guess. All I think that's victories. a safe bet. His cool conquests and victories, and how he's, you know, is he the one that's heir to the throne, or is that the other? Is that her brother? No, he is. Yeah, he's just like you know, I'm gonna be king one day. She's like, cool. Like, <laughs> bet you'd love to make some bread for the king, huh? She's like, yeah, I'd love that. And he's like, yeah, I know you would. <laughs> Do you, uh, have you ever, you know who Elliot Rogers is? Uh, no, the only Rogers that I pay attention to, uh, is Eli. Eli Rogers? I don't know if that's a person. <laughs> Isn't Eli Rogers, right? Well, I'm sure there's one floating around. Don't worry about it. Move on. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, yeah, Eli- yeah, he's the football player. That's what I thought. You've made me second guess myself. I don't know any football players. Well, that's, I. <laughs> I'm surprised I could pull that one out of my hat. <laughs> well, okay, so Elliot Rogers was this guy who's like he's kind of like an an incel folk hero. You know, there's like these weird forums exist where like people worship like Dylan Klebold and the other Columbine shooter and stuff. Like yeah, yeah. just the darkest, ugliest corners of the internet. So Elliot Rogers is one of those type of figures. He was like this rich prick that uh you know was an incel had never had a girlfriend and stuff and his dad was a movie executive or something like that that helped produce the hunger games or something and he eventually went on like a a rampage where he stabbed some people and shot some people and i don't remember the whole story but it was it was rough but he released these videos that were like his manifesto and he's just this unbearable prick. Like you just look at him and you, I don't know. You just, just seeing him just like breeds hatred in your, in your brain. Yeah. But yeah. he, uh, in these videos, he's like, he goes, you know, women, um, they, you know, I don't understand why they don't take interest in me and appreciate me. Like I'm the ultimate gentleman. He says stuff like that. He's like, I have, you know, a great watch. I have a, I have an amazing car, a BMW and blah, 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 blah. He's just, and he's like, and yet they, 
you know, they throw themselves at these chads, these, you know, muscle bound, whatever. He's just that guy, but mm-hmm. he put it all out in these video essays and they're awful to watch. Um, that's kind of what I feel like this guy is like. Amnon's yeah. just like stuck on himself, rich kid prick that had nobody's ever told him no before. He's just been unbearable his whole life. A real Andrew Tate type. He's like an Andrew Tate type. Yeah. <laughs> so um, said, uh, send everyone out of here, Amon, Amnon said. So everyone left him. Then Amnon said to Tamar, bring the food here into my bedroom so I may eat from your hand. And Tamar so he took was the- watching her in the kitchen because they have to relocate now. Yeah, he sent out all the underlings, uh, which, God, she had to be really seeing the writing on the wall at that point. Yeah, no shit, dude. Says, and Tamar took the bread she had prepared and brought it to her brother Amnon in his bedroom. When she took it to him to eat, he grabbed her and said, come to bed with me, my sister. (laughs) So much worse. (laughs) She says, no, my brother, don't force me. Such a thing should not be done in Israel. Don't do this wicked thing. What about me? Where could I get rid of my disgrace? And what about you? You would be like one of the wicked fools in Israel. Please speak to the king. He will not keep me from from being married to you. But he refused to listen to her since he was stronger than her, and he raped her. Christ. So it's he, risen indeed. Sorry. There's so much uh, that like isn't explicitly stated here, but like, the thing that that uh, some of the videos pointed out was that like not only was this like just a horrible crime to commit against anyone, but especially, you know, it's against his sister. Um, on top of that, though, like it kind of I mean, the the impression that I got from the stuff that I was listening to was saying that like this, this would make it almost impossible for her to get married and have a family after the fact. Yeah, sure. Um yeah, once a uh, virginity was upheld pretty highly, um, so I, that's my guess is that you you can't marry off uh, someone who isn't a virgin uh, quite as easily. So, like culturally, he's taking something from her. Yes, as well, like her potential. Uh, because women just didn't have the status. You had to find a. You had to find a man. Um, and if you couldn't, then often you would, I mean, I don't, she's David's daughter or whatever. So maybe she'd have a slightly different status, but given the fact that she is a, just a woman and women didn't have very high status in society for most of it, uh, almost all of it. Even if she was, even if she wasn't destitute afterwards, like it takes away all prospect of the life that she had probably envisioned right. for herself. You yeah, know? yeah. Which at that time, however anyone feels about it, like there was, this is, there, there was cultural and it was normative and it's like, you're, yeah, I want to get, I want to be married off to someone who can take care of me and I'll have children and, you know, you do the cultural thing. So yeah, it, it pretty much fucks up any chances she has of anything, anything on the side of normal. So this is where it's like, especially heinous and insane. So it says, then Amnon hated her with intense hatred. In fact, he hated her more than he had loved her. Amnon said to her, 
get up and get out. No, she said to him, sending me away would be a greater wrong than what you have already done to me. But he refused to listen to her. He called his personal servant and said, get this woman out of my sight and bolt the door after her. Jesus. What is that? That's it's that's like so a, insane. That's like a, I realize I did something horrifically. That's like the. God. Well, this is this is where What's I that? like. That post-nut clarity? Is that what it is? The post-nut clarity settled in? I don't think so. And this is why I like think it's really annoying the way that it's explained in all of these different... Like, the way every pastor and youth pastor and everybody on YouTube and stuff explains this story. Because they always, like, make this story to be about lust. And to me, like, I don't... I mean, lust is a factor here, but that's not what's at the crux of what makes this, like, such an evil act like like sexual assault and rape is not about lust it's about power i mean it's about you're taking something from somebody like he threw he didn't throw her out because he was like upset with himself or like sad for what he had done or embarrassed like he took he threw her out because he got what he wanted and he was done with her yeah now it's just like yeah fuck this bitch i don't need her anymore and it's so annoying to me to like listen to all these videos of these guys being like you know, like, that's the thing is like, he never loved her. This is about lust. Lust is a, is a, is a thing of the flesh. It's temporary. And it's a, it's a, a baser impulse that you give into and yeah. love's a choice. Bye, bye, bye. And it's like, that's not what he did. That's, yeah. That's not what that it, lust is. Why you end up having sex with somebody you shouldn't have sex with mutually. Like lust is why people cheat on their spouses. Uh, lust is a lot of things. It's not usually, uh, let me force this person to cook for me a few times until I uh, get up the courage to rape them. And then, uh, and then just be like, Oh, now go ahead and live a meaningless existence where nobody in society is going to value you anymore. It's like, it's that's, uh, this is a dark fucking story, dude. It's really dark. It's, it's awful. I mean, like it's unbelievable. And like to act like this is, this is somehow, and then to use that, to relate back to like, you know, maybe you and your girlfriend went too far when you were, you know, you were somewhere you shouldn't have been alone yeah. and you just let it go too far. It's like today you go a little far I, with your girlfriend. Tomorrow you have sex with your sister. You're like, whoa, yeah, against her will. Jeez, reel it in, Pastor Mark. Yeah, it's just it's it's. I don't know, you know, it's 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 why when you know, you watch those interviews with Ted Bundy, like right before he goes into the electric chair and he's talking about how, like, you know, I started down this dark path with like pornography or something like that. Like, yeah, yeah. That's what makes it so ridiculous. Cause it's like the things that you did were violent, and awful and hateful. Like you, you didn't want to have sex with somebody like you wanted to take everything from them. That's yeah. what you were addicted to, not sex. I mean, it right. was it's, it was a it, component of it, but only in in the terms of like it's a humiliation and a in a a degradation. Like that's what that's what they use the act for. Yeah. It's like a it's a tool to get what they actually want, which is like domination and power over somebody. Yeah, and it's it's interesting that they bring it back to like oh porn or something like that. Like, and that that excuse that idea that's still perpetuated in churches that like porn 
I'm not saying that people can't go down like some real fucking dark holes. Um, maybe could have used different wording there, but, um, <laughs> but get to some weird dark places on the internet. Certainly, certainly, certainly. And I think that, you know, people get tired and bored of seeing the same thing. That's where they find themselves in these dark corners. And I, I think that's just clear and obvious and talked about uh, enough, but like maybe it's just more so than the church world, but I think still as a whole, there's a societal like uh, uh, resistance to like just being like where, to the point where they could be like, well, you know, I started with porn and then I started just cutting people's heads off. And you're like, no, dude, like <laughs> yeah. that where you get to, you only get to say that because we still live in a world where we, they pretend like 100% of people on the planet hasn't seen porn. Like right. we're at, we're, I mean, at the very bet least, we're at 98% of everyone in the United States over the age of 16 has seen porn. 98% probably is like a, a good number. Yeah. And you, you only get to say that because my only, cons- like the only reason I care about your story is because I want to twist it and squeeze and extract what I want out of it for like what I want to say. Yep. Yeah. Like I'm using exactly. your story however I need to to back up my points that I want to make, which is basically what Christians did to the entire Jewish scriptures. <laughs> <laughs> That's why we're listening to pastors talk about this being a story about lust instead of like thinking about why uh, the editors and redactors were like, you know, let's put this story into our Bible where it's like, that's obviously a bad story. And they're not trying to be like, and this is why God is awesome. Like, it's a shitty story that they fucking put in there for a reason. Uh, so that's what's so also aggravating about Christians trying to moralize every story like that's in there for a moral teaching instead of just be like, it's here because it's at some point, however true, however redacted or edited it is, uh, this is part of their their lore and their story and something similar probably happened. And you can certainly like, I don't know. There's just a lot of reason. Like it's just a story. It's just there and it's shitty. And, uh, but Christians, man, they, we, they fucking want to moralize every single fucking story in the Bible. And it gets, it gets increasingly difficult to stomach when you read something as grotesque as this one. Yeah. So, uh, Happy ending? after he put her out. Well, yeah, in a way, actually, yeah, it is. Kind of... <laughs> <laughs> so she was wearing an ornate robe for this was the kind of garment the virgin daughters of the king wore. Uh, Tamar put ashes on her head and tore the ornate robe she was wearing. She put her hands on her head and went away, weeping aloud as she went. Just absolutely awful. Her brother Absalom said to her, has that Amnon, your brother, been with you? Be quiet for now, my sister. Uh, he is your brother. Don't take this thing to heart. And Tamar lived in her brother Absalom's house, a desolate woman. Weird phrasing. God. Don't take it to heart. It, it's just it's your it's your brother. Don't take it to heart. It must well, mean something slightly different than it sounds. And so Absalom's a weird character in this because it's hard to discern like exactly what his deal is. Like clearly, like growing up, when you'd hear these stories in Sunday school, David was the good guy. Like David's the main character and the one that all of this is about. And clearly David has to be on top when everything shakes out at the end, you know, but, um, Absalom 
he's hard to figure because he's, uh, he's second in line to the throne. I feel like for our uh, Handmaid's Tale fans, he's like the Commander Lawrence of the of the Hebrew Scriptures. <laughs> okay. No, we're both making references that neither of us I get. think this is the first time I've made a reference that you haven't really gotten. I think this is encouraging for me. Usually you make references to things I've never heard of. But lots of people watch The Handmaid's Tale. So for those of you who do, I think you'll understand exactly what I mean. That's a much better one than like Eli Touchdown or whoever you said earlier. <laughs> Eli, <laughs> Eli Rogers. I knew I knew I knew a football player. Uh, I shouldn't have let you. I shouldn't. Have I, let d- you I should have taken take that, that from, from you. Me. I'm sorry. <laughs> so uh, it says when King David heard all of this, he was furious and Absalom never said a word to Amnon either good or bad, but he hated Amnon because he had disgraced his sister Tamar. So it's hard to figure what exactly Absalom's motives are here because he's apparently, he's second in line to the throne behind Amnon. So there was clearly probably some rivalry going on there to begin with, right? Um, Now, I mean, it says that he hated him because of what had happened to Tamar. So... And I, and I think that makes sense. And, you know, I think the one thing you can say about Absalom, too, is that he took Tamar in and took care of her afterwards, too. Yeah, yeah. Which is interesting. Um, because Absalom's kind of like in typical Sunday school circles. He's sort of portrayed as like the, you know, the rebellious son that uh, took matters into his own hands and stuff like that. But he's... I don't know. He does some kind of cool stuff here. So in the next section here, it says that two years later, when Absalom's sheep shearers were at Bel Hazor near the border of Ephraim, he invited all the king's sons to come there. Absalom went to the king and said, your servant has had shearers come. Will the king and his attendants please join me? No, my son, the king replied, all of us should not go. We would only be a burden to you. Although Absalom urged him, he still refused to go, but gave him his blessing. So uh, the way that, I don't know, every, everybody that I watched interpreted this was that like King David was quote unquote furious about what Amnon did to to Tamar, but didn't do anything about it. Like by all accounts, Amnon went on living his normal life with like little to no consequences for anything that he did during that, that uh, event. Yeah. So, uh, everybody's out shearing sheep, you know, Absalom invites them all to his house kind of strategically knowing that they aren't going to come. Like he extended the invite that they're not going to accept, you know, he's almost sure of it because it's just too much. It would be a burden to him. Uh, then Absalom said, if not, please let my brother Amnon come to come with us. So here's the question that the one question that David asks that makes you think he kind of knew something was up. So the King David asked him, uh, why should he go with you? But Absalom urged him. So he went with Amnon and the rest of the king's sons. So David clearly sensed that something was up here. He's like, why do you want Amnon to come? (laughs) And rather than just sending Amnon, he sent all of his sons along with him. So maybe he sensed that something was up at the time, but he figured if all of the boys went, then... He should be, you know, there shouldn't be anything to worry about, right? 
So Absalom ordered his men, listen, when Amnon is in high spirits from drinking wine, I say to you, and I say to you, strike Amnon down, then kill him. Don't be afraid. Haven't I given you this order? Be strong and brave. So Absalom's men did to Amnon what Absalom had ordered. Then all the king's sons got up, mounted their mules, and fled. So, I don't know, they're all sitting around eating jalapeno poppers, you know, watching <laughs> Step Brothers. And <laughs> as soon as Amnon's a little drunk, like all of David's servants, or uh, Am- Absalom's servants, like stand up and stab him in the neck. Yeah. Like Red style. They're all literally all just sitting around chilling and they like, he kind of like makes eye contact with all the other ones. And he's just like, and now it's like, like, (laughs) all the other snobby rich kids squeal and, and run for their mules. (laughs) They just leave them there bleeding in a pile. I like how easily they turned on their own brother too. They had to have been like, there had to be something in it for them. Not Maybe just like, everyone hated him. He's like, yeah, I mean, if he was an Andrew Tate type, it was just like, oh my <laughs> god, this guy, he deserves to be taken out. Like somebody was going to stab him eventually. They were just, just like waiting. Yeah, they were just like waiting for the excuse. Well, I mean, I was just following orders. They could not wait for the I was just following orders excuse. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh while they were on their way, the report came to David. Absalom has struck down all the king's sons. Not one of them is left. The king stood. Well, that's a weird part of this is like, apparently David heard through some rumor mill that like all of his sons were dead and Absalom had killed them. So it says that he that's like the John Wick ending, right? It's like all the stuff we just read, all this beginning stuff. That's like the first 10 minutes of like a, an action like a just the next John Wick style film where it's like all this happens and then and then the next like hour is just this guy brutally murdering all of David's sons in a hit style way. I mean, good film. This would be a great movie. Yeah, they could really turn this into something. Uh, so David turned. He stood up. He tore his clothes, lay down on the ground, and all of his attendants that stood by with their clothes torn. So. Which is another funny scene. Like the king stands up and like tears his shirt, like like Hollywood Hogan style, and everybody around him like <laughs> looks at each other and goes, ah, and just starts staring at their clothes <laughs> and fake crying. Like, oh no, Amnon's dead. Yeah, My least favorite crazy. person in the castle. <laughs> but Jonadab, son of Shimea, David's brother, said, My lord, should not. My lord should not think that they killed all the princes. Only Amnon is dead. Oh. This is Absalom's express intention ever since the day Amnon raped his sister Tamar. It's like, what a time to tell me. That's like the first, uh, that's like the first ever fake news. <laughs> right. You think Jonadab is like dead. picked off? That's not true. <laughs> he's like, he's like, I've been doing so much relationship building with this guy. And now he has a knife in his, in the back of his spine. Yeah, the the whole point was like, look, tell David all of his kids are dead, so that way in ten minutes, and you go, no, 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 it's just, it's just that one that everyone hates. He's like, oh my god, Whew, not so bad anymore. Soft landing for the murder news. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Says, meanwhile, Absalom had fled. 
Now the man standing watch looked up and saw many people on the road west of him coming down the hill. The watchman went and told the king, I see men in the direction of uh, Hernam on the side of the hill. Uh, Jonadab said to the king, see the king's sons have come. It has happened just as your servant said. Jonadab sucks. He's just a brown nosing little weasel. Somebody should have stabbed him. Yeah, that's like that's the only that's like yeah. What people like him never get to die because they're just chameleons, right? They just oh, just quietly like switch teams. They shimmy over the other side. Yeah. So yeah, Absalom disappears into uh, Gesher, and he stayed there three years and basically waited for David to like miss him (laughs) and uh i think that's where we close out the story for now but at some point we need to revisit part two of this story where absalom rebels against king david because like i said he's kind of viewed as like the rebellious bad boy teenager or something like that i don't know i think he's kind of the coolest person in this story like david clearly sucks yeah he's like this indecisive terrible father that's doing who knows what while his kids are like raping and murdering each other yeah I, that generally david it's it's wild um how he's considered to be like the great king david and you're like he was true like even as a kid i remember reading through these stories being like i don't i don't feel like david's very great it's like he's a man after god's own heart is what it says in the bible and you're like you read it and you're like that this how is that true? And I, I remember the circles that are done around that. It's like, well, it's because like he repented when he did things wrong and he really wanted to serve the Lord. He oh, just cool. uh, wasn't good at it sometimes. You know, sometimes we want to do the right thing and we don't, but like our, you know, the Lord looks at the heart and you're just like, all of this sounds like horse shit, but I'm 11. So I'm going to go, oh, okay. And then I'm going to repeat it to my friends. And then I'm going to realize when I'm in my twenties that I was a moron. So, (laughs) (laughs) pretty much (laughs) yeah i don't know i mean there's like one of the pastors that i watched talk about this you know he definitely like hit on the fact that well you know uh absalom was second in line to the throne and amnon was in his way so he does this thinly veiled murder plot to get rid of him and it's like well I mean, he had to flee the country for three years while his dad cooled off. I mean, that had to jeopardize his potential as yeah. heir to the throne. It seems to me like he kind of hung it on the line to get ri- to get even with the guy who, you know, who assaulted his sister. Yep. God, I don't. Do we need to? I think we use the R word too many times in this. I think we might have to put a, uh, <laughs> a trigger. I don't know. People don't like that's it's a rough word so apologies to anybody and if you made it all the way through the story uh thanks for listening i guess you don't like this you're gonna hate the bible yeah (laughs) highly recommend not picking that one up if this was tough (laughs) yeah it's pretty tough to look at the uh the first you know 53 books or whatever it is (laughs) you're if you're not comfortable with that subject so uh that's the story of Amnon and Tamar. Pour one out for Tamar. Uh, She really got the short end of the stick in this story. But we do know her name. 
So there's you know that. And we grew closer together in the Lord today uh, because as uh, as the scriptures say, where two or more are gathered in the Lord's name, he he's there or something like that. Or I might have got that a little wrong, but I know it's where two or more are gathered. The Lord is involved in somehow a really sexy threesome of some sort. So I feel God it. in this Chili's tonight. Yeah. I, what the fuck's up in this Denny's? Was, uh... <laughs> so, uh, boy, well, you know, if you like the show, give us a review wherever you listen to it. Thank you to everybody who's done that so far. We got a pretty good rating. We, and, uh, we do. But I feel like we asked this one a lot to give a rating or a review. Um, I would like to see more of them personally. I think, uh, more would be helpful, especially if you listen on Apple or some shit like that. Uh, it does come in handy. Um, and I feel like I haven't seen a new one in a little while. Sometimes just giving it that five star click. That's fine. Just say some nice words about how we're awful people or something like that. But, uh, sometimes the words that people use for us are interesting. Uh, sometimes I feel like backhanded compliments. I don't really care. I just appreciate that somebody <laughs> wrote words and thought about us. That means a lot. So write a few words, give it five stars. Uh, enough of you listen where I know that we could use, or if you did it, we would have a few more reviews at least. So that'd be much appreciated. Yeah. Leave a critique. If you I'm want simping to just a little make bit. it a five star yeah. critique, like yes, five star. I love that. These guys platformed Nazis. Yeah. Five. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you should join the discord. The Discord's a fun place. And if you're not in there yet, join up. If you don't like it, you can leave, but, uh, you'll like it. It's fun. Or and join and then of, uh, mute it completely. <laughs> right. Well, uh, thank you for listening. And we will see you next time.